Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen? Amen. Hey, I am redeemed. Thank you, Brian and choir. Praise the Lord. Well, today we are going to continue in the series One Cry as we prepare for our One Cry conference coming up next Sunday. We started off this series talking about the one cry the church needs to begin with, and that is the cry of repentance. And all of us, at some point in our lives, and many times throughout our lives, we need to repent. To repent means to turn away from our sin, to turn away from that which has distracted us from serving and devoting ourselves to the Lord 100%. He demands complete devotion. He's worthy of complete devotion, after all of what He did for us on Calvary's cross when He redeemed us. The second cry we as a church need to make is a cry for the lost. We need to be knocking on heaven's door for those that we know and even those that we don't know who don't know Jesus Christ because they're facing a devil's hell if they die without Jesus Christ. We need to cry out for them. We need to be lifting them up in prayer by name. And we also need to be crying out to them and beseeching them and urging them in the name of Jesus and showing them the love of Jesus Christ. And that's what we did last Sunday evening here at the Fall Festival. But there are many ways you can do that individually. It's not just a corporate effort. It needs to be an individual effort in your world and in your circle of influence that you use the light that Jesus has put in you. Last week, we talked about the cry the church needs to make to God is, Oh God, revive us. We need revival. A revival is, is a repentance is turning from sin. Revival is turning to God, giving him that 100% devotion where everything else is in its right place and God is central and first and preeminent in all that we are. You see, every one of us here today, we need a personal revival. This church needs a church revival. I think we have a wonderful church. I think the spirit in this church is better than it's ever been. But I know the Lord wants to take us deeper into Him. He wants to take us farther into our spiritual growth and maturity. So there's more He wants to do here. And so we need to be open to that. But I believe God wants to do more. He wants it to spread out into His churches in this community, in this county. He wants it to spread out in this region of South Georgia and North Florida. I believe he wants it to spread throughout the whole nation of America. God's people all over this nation get right, getting right with God. And that he wants to generate from that a renewal, a spiritual renewal of our nation. You see, our nation needs God. Our nation needs to turn back to God. But it begins with the people of God. As God said, if my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. God says, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. So it begins with God's people. We need a revival. Today, I want to talk about the one cry we need to make, and that is the cry of, deliver us. The Bible says that we can call upon the Lord in the day of trouble, and that he will deliver us, and we will glorify him. Well, we need deliverance, but let's talk about what do we need deliverance from. First of all, we need to cry out to God that, we, that God deliver us from our sin. David said in Psalm 39 and verse 8, Deliver me from all my transgressions. Now listen, folks, we understand that, that, uh, that, that we are tempted and drawn away, the Bible says, of our own lust, our own desire. The devil knows exactly where to get you. 
He knows what you want. He knows what you desire. And that's where he's going to tempt you. That's where he's going to draw you away from God. And the psalmist says, deliver us from those transgressions. You know, and sometimes people, even Christians, give themselves habitually to those transgressions. Give themselves to those sins repeatedly. And then they become addictions. And if it's not an addiction, some of you say, I'm not addicted to anything. Well, then you could stop doing it, right? Right? If it's not an addiction, you could stop doing it. And we become enslaved as believers, which doesn't make any sense because Jesus Christ died to redeem us, to set us free, but yet we willingly yield ourselves to be slaves again to things like sin and things we know we shouldn't be enslaved to. We need to cry out, God, deliver me from my transgressions, from my sin. Well, it's not all God's fault, by the way. It's not God's fault at all, and it's not all God's responsibility to deliver us from our sin. We do have to be willing to do the first thing we talked about in this series, and that is repent. The word deliver is very close to the word salvation. In fact, the word salvation is translated in both Greek and Hebrew, deliver, deliverance. When you were saved, you were delivered. In the Greek, the word is soteria, and it just means to deliver or to rescue. We have been rescued from sin. In the Hebrew, it's very interesting what the word salvation or deliverance is. It's the word that you will recognize when I say it, and you know it, you've heard it, it's Yeshua. It's the same word for Joshua. It's the same New Testament word for who? Jesus, and it means God is my salvation. It means that it means deliverance. Jesus is our deliverer. Now, what has he delivered us from? If you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you've asked him to forgive you of your sin and save you, then he has delivered you from a whole host of things that you may not even be aware of. But Colossians 1.13, the first phrase of that verse said, he has delivered us from the power of darkness. You know, if, if before you were saved, you were under the devil's power. And if you're here today and you're still not saved, you are under the devil's power. You may not realize it or want to admit that, but you are. You're under the power of darkness. You're being deceived. And, you don't, and the nature of being deceived is you don't know you're being deceived and you don't think you're being deceived. But when Jesus Christ shines the light of the gospel of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ upon us, and we see for the first time Jesus is who he says he is. He did die on the cross for our sins. He did rise from the dead three days later. When, that begins to, when we begin to see that truth, we have to accept it. We respond to that truth by faith. And when we do that, it's called being saved or salvation or we've been delivered. What have we been de delivered from? We've been delivered from sin's penalty. What is sin's penalty? You know it, Romans 6.23. You can say it with me. For the wages of sin is what? Death. The penalty of sin is death. When Adam and Eve took that fruit, they invited physical death upon the whole human race, but not only that, a spiritual death, which was that separation, that eternal separation from God. God illustrated this in their lives when he 
expelled them from the Garden of Eden. And he put an angel at the entrance with a flaming sword so that they could not go back in. You see, sin has a penalty of not only physical death, but spiritual death, eternal separation from God. When you got saved, you see, Jesus is God's way back to himself. There is no other way. The Bible says in Acts 4.12, There is no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. When you come back to God through Jesus Christ, you are delivered from the penalty of sin. Does that mean you're never going to die physically? Oh, you will die physically unless you live to see the rapture, which I'm holding out for. But you won't die spiritually. It's called the second death. Revelation talks about it. It's hell. It's eternal separation from God. If you've given your life to Jesus, you're delivered from sin's penalty. You're also delivered by sin, from sin's power. The Bible says in Romans 6, verse 1 and 2, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who are dead to sin live any longer in it? What are you to sin? What are you to sin? Are you dead to sin? Are you still enjoying it? Are you still playing with it? You're dead to sin. That is, you've been delivered from sin's power. Some of you think don't believe that. Some of you think you can't help but sin. You're deceived because that's anti-biblical. You don't have to sin. You say, oh, well, that's heresy. No, it ain't. It's Bible. You just don't think you have that power because the devil's deceived you. That doesn't mean, we're not talking about sinless perfection. We do fail. But as we choose to fail, we choose to sin. Before I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I was a slave to sin. I sinned because I, it had power over me. But Jesus Christ broke the devil's back on the cross of Calvary and at his resurrection. He conquered sin, Satan, death, and hell for you and for me. I can choose, he says in 1 John, my little children, I write to you that you do not sin. Why would God tell us to do something that's impossible? Thank God he added a comma in the next phrase, and he says, but if you do sin, if, 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 not when, if, meaning you have a choice, if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Okay, now, I've heard an old phrase a long time ago. Y'all are looking at me like a mule looks at a new gate. <laughs> Y'all ain't just so sure I spoke the truth. All righty, I'll challenge you. You go back to search the scriptures and find out if I'm telling you wrong or if I'm telling you right. I challenge you to prove me wrong on that point. Jesus Christ died to break sin's power. In my life. Power in your life. Look at verse 6 of Romans 6. Knowing this, that your old man, that's not your husband. That ain't your daddy. That's that old sinful nature in your life. Was crucified with Christ. So what happened to that old sinful nature? He's dead. 
Now, you can choose to resurrect them and play with them, but you're playing with a dead thing. And when you play with dead things, you get diseased. And you start acting like a dead thing. You remember the demoniac that Jesus healed? He liked playing with dead things. Why? Because he was demon-possessed. He lived in the tombs. He played among the dead things. He cut himself. He was sick in the mind, sick in the spirit. Because he hadn't been delivered. But when Jesus delivered him, he was clothed instead of naked. He sat in his right mind, and he no longer wanted to be among the dead things. He asked Jesus, let me go with you. You see, if you've truly been changed, you don't want to be among the dead things. Your old man was crucified that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Amen? Now, if we died with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having died, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also consider yourselves, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. And there's the problem, is we don't think we're dead to sin. Here, the Bible tells us, if you start changing the way you think, you'll be more victorious. But because we think we're still slaves to sin, we just give in. Because, oh well, we're only human. Start thinking. Renew your mind. Consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. Don't present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace, which is God's ability Philippians 2.13, that works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He's delivered you from sin's penalty. Praise God. We all know that, but he's delivered you from sin's power. And listen, here's where a lot of people struggle. He's delivered you from sin's guilt. You know, when you got saved, the guilt was washed away with the sin. But some of you are still living with the guilt. And you know what goes along with guilt is the next thing, shame. Some of you are still living with the shame of your past. Now, the only reason you should still be living with the shame is if you're still doing what you used to do. Then you ought to be ashamed. If you say you gave your life to Jesus Christ and he's changed you, but you're still living like you haven't been changed, then yeah, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. In fact, that's what Paul said in Romans chapter 6. In verse 21, he said, What fruit did you have in those things of which you're now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Yes, I am ashamed of the things I used to do without Christ. But when I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ, he, he washed away my guilt. Psalm 51, David cried out to God, he said, and, and cleanse me from the guilt of bloodshed. You see, Jesus has taken away the guilt. You don't stand before him guilty anymore. You don't. You know how you stand before the Lord God this morning? If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you stand clean. You stand holy. You stand righteous. That's a position that has nothing to do... Well, let me back up. That's your position. 
You stand positionally in Christ. He has redeemed you, set you free from sin. You're holy in His, in his sight. Okay? That has been conferred upon you. It's not what you did. It's what He did for you. And again, I challenge you to go back and read the New Testament, read the writings of Paul especially, and you'll see this truth, that he has conferred his righteousness. Jesus Christ became sin. Had he ever sinned? Why did he get to become sin? I mean, that's not something you want to get to become. So that we could what? Become what? The righteousness of Christ. Have I always lived righteous? Does my righteousness look like Christ? Then how do I get to become it? <laughs> through Christ. Y'all need to listen to the Bible. Read the Bible. Believe the Bible. This is what the Bible teaches. We're delivered from sin's penalty, from sin's power, from sin's guilt, from sin's shame. What has He delivered us to? Well, Colossians 1.13, the second phrase says, He has conveyed us, He has transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. He has he's delivered us from the power of darkness and placed us in the kingdom of his son, Jesus Christ. You are now not a citizen only of the United States of America. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you're a citizen of heaven. You're a citizen of, of God's kingdom. You belong to him. You have you are now been delivered to eternal life. You can't die spiritually. You can't, even, in, even if you were to be killed or to die today, you aren't really dead. You'll be more alive than you've ever been. You've been given the forgiveness of sin. You've been delivered to the, the forgiveness of sin. You've been given the Holy Spirit. You've been given heaven. You've been given the abundant life. You've been given the Holy Spirit. You're the temple of God. He lives in you. You know, you don't, you don't have to wait to Sunday to go to the house of God. You are the house of God. You're the temple of the living God. He's in you. And you can worship Him daily. So the question there, here is, is, do you need to cry out for deliverance? Is there something in your life that, that, that maybe your thinking has been wrong about? You've been saved, you've given your life to Jesus, but you're, yeah, I'm addicted to sin. But I shouldn't be. Oh, Lord, deliver me from my transgressions. There may even be some of you here today that have never cried out to Jesus Christ for for genuine salvation. You've never truly been saved. You can make that day today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the time. Why would you put it off one more day? Because we're not promised tomorrow. You take your past all at once, and you say, Lord, I have not been perfect. I have sinned greatly. But I believe that when you died on the cross and when you shed your blood, you paid the price. You redeemed me. That's what the word redeemed means. You paid the price for my sin so I could, when I couldn't and when I didn't have to. And when you rose from the dead, you conquered death and hell for me and the devil for me. So I, this morning, I'm, I'm giving you my heart. I'm asking you to deliver me from my sin and save me. You can do that right here this morning. I'll give you an opportunity. I want to move along, though, and talk about something else. We need to cry out to God to deliver us from our oppressors. Despite God's grace and mercy to forgive our sin and deliver us from our sin and its consequences, 
God's people have turned from Him. And we've turned back to our sin and our idolatrous ways. In Ezekiel chapter 23, I'm going to, I want you to mark that and go back and read because I'm going to skip a lot of what I wanted to read this morning. But God is speaking to His people. And this is the judgment that He has pronounced upon Jerusalem. And He says, I'm going to stir up your lovers against you. Speaking of those that they turned to when they turned away from God. He said, from whom you have alienated yourself, and I will bring them against you from every side. And then he lists them, Babylonians and Chaldeans and so forth. And he says, they will, verse 24, they will come against you with chariots, wagons, war horses, with a horde of people. He said, I will delegate judgment to them, and they will judge you according to their judgment. He said, they're going to deal furiously with you. He said, they're, they're, many are going to fall by their sword. They're going to make your sons and your daughters slaves. And he said, they'll strip you of your clothes and take away your beautiful jewelry. He said, then I'll make you cease from your lewdness and your, and your harlotry. And he says, in verse 28, For thus says the Lord God, Surely I will deliver you into the hand of those you hate into the hand of those from whom you alienated yourself. They will deal hatefully with you, take away all you've worked for, and leave you naked and bare. The nakedness of your harlotry shall be uncovered, both your lewdness and your harlotry. I will do these things to you because you have gone as a harlot after the Gentiles, because you've become defiled by your idols. God says, I want to deliver you but what I'm doing because of your rebellion is I'm delivering you into the hands of your oppressors. I think that describes our nation. And we don't have our nation to blame. We can't point the finger somewhere else. I mean, are we citizens of this nation? Are we God's people? Is he talking to God's people here? Is he talking to us today? We don't want to say it, but yes. He says in verse 35, Because you have forgotten me and cast me behind your backs, therefore you shall bear the penalty of your lewdness and your harlotry. You know, God has done great things for us that we just described, what he's delivered us from. But we, in spite of this, have turned back to our wicked ways. And God says, I, I, have to, I, I love you enough not to leave you like that. I'm going to deliver you to the hand of your oppressors so it will drive you back to me. Does, does this mean that God has wiped his hands of us? Is there still hope? Can we still cry out for God's mercy and deliverance? Yes. Yes, there's still hope. Yes, we can still cry out to God. In Judges chapter 10, we, we spoke of Judges because over and over in the book of Judges, God's people did this. It said that they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And they served other gods. And the anger of the Lord was stirred up against his people. And then it says in verse 10, 
And the children of Israel cry out to the Lord. You see, God would bring upon them these, these Gentile nations to judge them and oppress them. Then they would cry out to the Lord. And here's what happened in Judges chapter 10. And this is what we want to pray about tomorrow night. Because this is what we don't want to happen, These beginning of this verses. We have sinned against you, Lord, because we have forsaken our God and served other gods, the Baals. And the Lord said, have I not already delivered you from the Egyptians, from the Ammonites, from the Philistines, from the Amorites, the Sidonians, the Amalekites, the Mayanites? And you cried out to me, and didn't I already deliver you from their hand? Yet you keep forsaking me, going back to other gods. Therefore, I will deliver you no more. Go and cry out to the gods which you've chosen. Let them deliver you in your time of distress. Go cry out to your bank account. See if your bank account can turn this nation around. Go cry out to that new home you sunk a load of debt in. Cry out to that new home and see if, if that, that home will turn you back, this nation back to God. That new vehicle you're driving. All the vacations and trips you've planned. All the things that we give ourselves to. The sports Everything we give ourselves to. Cry out to those gods, America. Cry out to them. See if they'll deliver you. Listen, we've been crying out to them. We've been giving ourselves to them. Have they delivered us? Are we going to keep doing what we've always been doing and expecting different results? That's insanity. We all know something needs to change, but it ain't me. Right? It ain't my schedule that needs to change. It's not my priorities that need to change. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing, living like I'm living, and somebody else will do the changing, and somehow our nation will get back to its supposed, where it's supposed to be. Friends, it doesn't work like that. It's not going to work like that. That's insanity. And God says, I've had enough. I'm sick of it. God says, if you want to turn back to me, turn back to me with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength, all of your money, all of your time, all of your attention. And God let God direct it from there. But even then, he says in verse 15, And the children of Israel said to the Lord, We have sinned. Do to us whatever seems best to you. Only deliver us this day, we pray. So they did put away their foreign gods and among them and serve the Lord. Oh, and thank God for this next phrase. His soul could no longer endure the misery of Israel. And he delivered them. God doesn't want to oppress us. He takes no delight in judging his people. He had to over and over again. I'm going to skip over to Joel chapter 2. This is what I was asking you to read in preparation for tomorrow night. I'm going to read three verses. Now therefore says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garment. Return to the Lord your God. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, 
and he relents from doing harm. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. That's why we're going to gather tomorrow night. Because we need to get right with God. We need to cry out. We're asking God to deliver us from our oppressors. And God's saying, okay. But remember, you're the one that gave your life to these people. Your oppressors, they're there because I brought them in. He says, if you really mean business, I will. But don't just gather and let's play this revival services game because we're, it's on the calendar and your preacher's making us come and guilting us to come. Don't just go through it. If you really mean business, if you really want this nation to turn back to me, then, then you turn back to me with all of your heart. He's waiting on you and me. We need to cry out to God, deliver us from our oppressors. I'm grateful that God is going to deliver us one way or the other. I believe God is anxiously awaiting for his people in this nation, not just at Dawson Street, Baptist Church, but his, nation, his people across this nation. I believe he's just anxiously waiting to see, is, this, is what I've allowed to happen in their nation, has that stirred my people up yet? I'm hoping that it does, and so if they will start, he said, I'll come in and I'll flood that nation with my spirit and I'll do for them what I did in, in the 1700s with the first great awakening and, and, the, and the early 1800s with the second great awakening and, and then the late 1800s with the third great awakening. I'll do that again, and it hasn't happened for 160 years. I think it's time now, folks. I think it's time. It's high time for God's people to come back like we never have in so many generations. I believe God's waiting. But one day he's going to deliver us from this present evil age. The Bible says in Galatians 1, Paul is crying out to God. Or we hear uh, this verse, Paul says that God is going to deliver us from this present evil age. You know, one day he is going to snatch us out of here. And, and persecution's coming. Persecution is going to come. That's what Jesus said in, in John chapter 15. Jesus said, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. And, and he said in, in chapter 16, he said, I've spoken these things to you that you should not be made to stumble. He said, they'll put you out of the synagogues. Yeah, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think he's offering God a service. There's some people in certain religions that are killing people thinking they're doing God a service. Jesus, Paul said in 2 Timothy, he said, uh, he said, in fact, everybody that desires to live godly in this world will suffer persecution. Will suffer persecution. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but fear not, I have overcome the world. I want to remind you this morning that you ought to vote, and I encourage you, if you haven't, to vote to vote Tuesday. But I also want to remind you that you can't vote revival in. You can't vote this nation to spiritual renewal. Second Chronicles 7.14 tells us 
the prescription for revival and national renewal. It has nothing to do with politics. And I also want to remind you that Jesus, yes, persecution's coming, but Jesus is coming. And what we see happening in this world is, is pointing us to the fact that Jesus is coming soon. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, he tells us that uh, Paul is encouraging the believers there, and he's, he tells them to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. God is going to pour out the fullness of his wrath on this world one day. It's called the Great Tribulation. If you are a Christian, I firmly believe from the testimony of Scripture, you won't be here. You will be delivered from the wrath to come. In fact, the wrath to come, he's pointing to, is the Great Tribulation. When you read Revelation about the Great Tribulation, it's referred to numerous times, the wrath of God. The Bible says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, that is, those who have died in Christ, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself, Jesus, will descend from heaven. He's coming back with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we, see, even Paul thought he was going to be alive at the rapture. Then we, who are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Listen, the comfort here is, is that no matter how wicked this world gets, we are going to be delivered from it one day. He has got a better place prepared for you and for me who've given our lives to Jesus Christ. He is preparing that place, and that place is heaven. And that's what he saved us to. You see, Jesus Christ, the Bible says in Revelation twenty-two twenty, the Bible tells us what Jesus said. He said, surely I'm coming quickly. He said that three times in the closing chapter, the last book of the Bible. Surely I'm coming quickly. I'm coming quickly. And then the church responds like this, according to the scripture. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. In other words, yes, Lord, come on back. Come on back. Get us out of here. Woo! I'm ready. Take us home. I want to be with you. We'll be delivered from the presence of sin. We've been delivered from his power and penalty. I'm ready to be delivered from the presence of sin and sinners. You say, well, you're one. That's right. You've got to put up with me, and I've got to put up with you. But when we get to heaven, we ain't got to put up with each We don't have to put up with each other's mess. We won't have no mess. We'll be perfect. I'm ready. But we need to cry out to God, deliver us from our sin. Deliver us from our oppressors. And deliver us to your kingdom in, in heaven. We need to cry out while we're here for God's mercy. We need to remember that he wants us, that he wants to, as he has done for his people time and again, to deliver us. 
but he's demanding that his people return to him and once again stand for truth and righteousness. We need to remember that he's coming back to deliver us from this present evil age. But in the meantime, we're to shine as lights in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. I remind you of the verse I started with, and this is our invitation. Psalm 50, 15. Call to me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. I'm calling us today, and I'm calling us tomorrow night. Let's cry out, O God, deliver us. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you for your time and your